There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. We would like to thank you once again to our Thursday edition of the podcast. Probably have a very brief podcast today. It's Thursday. My voice is about shot. And also just have a few verses to read to finish up chapter 16. But we would like to take this time to thank each of you. And some of you began listening during our last round of meetings these last six weeks. I know folks have contacted us, began listening. We certainly thank the Lord for each and every one of you. And I thank the Lord for the meetings. Thank the Lord for the work of God that's went on. And uh, from Maine to North Carolina, up into Western New York, and of course here in Pennsylvania, and we certainly appreciate those who support the meetings, those who pray for us, and uh, we just look for what God is continuing to do. We've had someone contact us even yesterday, uh, just things God's revealing in Scripture, someone that has not yet have found this great faith in Jesus Christ, and uh, yet they're searching the Scriptures and asking questions, and we rejoice in that. I thank God for that. What a blessing it is to be called of God, to be a part of this wonderful ministry. It's not our ministry, it's his ministry. We're just ministers of Christ. And it's all about him. It's nothing in ourselves. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a great difference he's made in my life. What a difference he's made in the lives of many. And I pray that he'll make that difference in your life. If you don't know him, I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ revealed himself to you. You'd see him in the word of God, understand the Father would draw you. You come into condemnation of God and realize your need and turn from your wicked ways. And then God can do a work in your life, a marvelous and a wonderful work. And how we thank him and how we praise him. Been saved now for 26 and a half years. I've never regretted the second of being born of God. Never regretted the second of this life he's given me in Christ and how we praise him. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. He now has told his disciples a little bit about Peter, of course, and called Peter. And he's going to use Peter greatly to bind things on earth, to loose things on earth. And then he's also going to loose on earth. It's going to be loosed in heaven. The word of God tells us that. That's a great marvel that God would do that through Peter, but he's called him to that. But then in verse 21, he tells us, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And it's interesting that Peter does believe he's the Christ. He tells him that, but yet Peter does not realize that he's the Christ of scripture. Had he seen him in scripture, he would have known. But Peter doesn't see that. Just like many today, they don't see him in the law. They don't see him in the prophets. They don't see him in the Psalms. That's why in Luke 24, in one of the great passages to understand the word of God, Jesus had to open their understanding. He had to do that for his own disciples. He had to do that for Peter himself. And then Peter, once his understanding's open, he preaches that great message at Pentecost. And he preached that great message on the Lord Jesus Christ. But he had to open their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And how did he do that? These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. And that's Luke 24, 44. That all things must be fulfilled, 
which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, this is after his resurrection. He opens their understanding. But Peter still obviously doesn't see that. He doesn't understand. This Christ must die. This man must be offered for sin. This man must resurrect or he's not the Christ. If there's any verse he does not fulfill, he's not the Christ. That's why we believe. Therefore, have we spoken? We believe by faith that Christ is in the volume of the book. We see him in every verse. We see him in every chapter. We see him in every page. He is the word of God. And I've been on this kick lately, and I'll say it again on the podcast. There's no filler in this Bible. Every word is equally important. And men just dismiss that. They act like it's just, oh, it's just genealogy. It's just lineage. Those words are important to God. God put them there. I didn't understand them. I may not have clarity on those things, but they are important to God. Otherwise, God would not have put them in this precious book. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. Then he said in the Hebrews, I am come to do thy will, O Lord. And so he tells them the things he's going to suffer. He must suffer these things, the scribes and the elders, the chief priests. He's going to be killed. And after three days, he's going to raise again. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. They don't realize the love they had for him was more than their love for the word of God. The love they had for the person of Jesus Christ was greater than their love for the word. Why? Because they wanted him with them. But if they stayed with them, if he didn't leave this earth, if he did not die for them, they'd be dead in their trespasses and sins. And they couldn't see that. Be it far from thee. Peter has no understanding at this point. Yes, he knows the Lord. Yes, he's been revealed to him that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But he doesn't see it through the scriptures. And that's one of those marvels I marvel at. And from then on, when you see Peter preach, what does he preach? Acts chapter 2, he preaches Psalm 16. We go to the Apostle Paul, the first message he preaches in the Word of God. In Acts chapter 13, he preaches Psalms chapter 2, Psalms chapter 16, Psalm chapter 53. We see it in the Word of God. He mentions other Psalms. I can't recall them off the top of my head. But he goes through and he references Isaiah. He references the Word of God. And we see that all through Paul's ministry, referencing Christ in Scripture. Preaching the Old Testament, teaching them the things they should have learned from the law and from the prophets, but they didn't have faith. And that's kind of where we are today. People without faith can't see the law and the prophets. They don't see this as the Christ. They don't have faith to believe. They contend with this matter. They contend with these issues. They contend with the soul of Jesus Christ. They contend with the words of a King James Bible because they're a faithless generation. Jesus Christ called them a faithless and a perverse generation. Why are they perverse? They take that which is holy and they pervert it. They take that which has integrity and they pervert it. They take that which is honest and pervert it. They take the way and they make it crooked. They take the truth and they make it error. They take the life and they make it death. Why? Because it's sin. And therefore, they take the ways of Christ, the life that's in Christ, and they twist it and pervert the gospel. They break fellowship over these things. They write letters over these things. They'll write great swelling articles against men over these things because they themselves do not believe the word of God. They do not have spiritual understanding of the words that God speaks. And my friend, the only peace and joy and hope I have in this world are the words that God speaks. And having an understanding of those words gives me strength and it gives me help and it gives me comfort. Why? Because I believe the words of God and I can't change that and I can't pretend to change that for somebody else. Yep, that's been demanded of us. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art in the fence unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. There's another one of those great sentences. They have two colons in it. It reads like this. Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. 
In the middle of that, he simply makes this statement, a sentence within a sentence, thou art an offense unto me. Peter's a great offense unto him. Why? Because Peter's concerned about men. He's concerned about what men think. What a reproach. This man they follow, this man they worship, this man they love, what a reproach to them that he would die. They're telling people he's the Christ and he's going to die. Well, he had to die. He had to die because the scriptures foretold of his death. He had to resurrect because the scriptures foretold of his resurrection. The problem is people don't want that type of a suffering savior. They want a glorified savior. They want a strong man. And by the way, most people have a strong man they call Lord. There's a strong man in their life they call Jesus, but he's not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. He's the strong man that has them bound. They're bound in religion. They're dead in trespasses and sins. They're bound in their own ideals and their own thinking, their own logic and their own reasoning, but they're not his. They do not belong to Jesus Christ. And so the word of God is revealed to Peter, and yet he still cannot see what God has to do, what Christ must die, how he must resurrect according to the scriptures. Then said Jesus and his disciples, if any man will come after me, and by the way, that word will there denotes that he's going to make a choice. You have to decide whether or not you're going to follow Jesus Christ. You have to be willing to pay the price to follow him. I believe you need to count the cost. I don't believe you get saved without counting the cost. The day I got saved, I clearly remember just saying I'm in lock, stock, and barrel, whatever Christ needs. I'm in with him. I love this man. I thank God for him. And I remember just throwing in whatever God needed. My friend, when God called me to preach, I surrendered to preach. When God put me in different ministries over the years, I just surrendered to those ministries. Why? The word of God. God had revealed himself to me through scripture and I believed him and I took up my cross and I followed him. And that's not bragging, that's not boasting, but he said, deny himself. And oh, my friend, the joy of denying yourself, the joy of knowing him, denying yourself that you might find him. And I don't do it nearly enough. I don't do it in the ways I ought to do. I'd certainly be foolish to even brag and act like I deny myself in every area. My goodness, I'd be ashamed uh, to even admit to you the ways I don't deny myself. But the times I do and the places I do, all the joy I find in Christ, the pleasures I find at his feet and how we bless his name. But it's your choice. It's your will to come after him, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And then he makes the great statement, one of the doctrinal statements Christ makes in the book of Matthew. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Are you willing to lose your life for him? Are you willing to lay down your life for him? What does it mean you lose your life? Does it mean you're going to die? It doesn't mean you're going to die. No, it just means you lose your life. Your life is now hid with God in Christ. And your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Your life belongs to him. He'll make you a servant of the Most High God. He'll make you a servant. And oh, my friend, to know him, to be a servant of his. What a joy. What a pleasure. What an honor that God himself would call us into that great fellowship with he and his dear son. The father and his son sit there in fellowship and invite us into that fellowship. And we can fellowship because we deny ourselves. We'll lose our life. And then we'll find a new life in Christ. And that's how we actually save our life is because we deny ourselves in Christ. My life is hid with God in Christ. He doesn't see my life. He sees the life of his dear son. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the promise of God in Galatians 2 and 20. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? 
I've asked that question so many times in preaching. I've watched the consternation on people's faces, those that are actually listening. I believe there's very few even listening today. I believe their ears are not open to hear. Their eyes cannot see. They sit there with dollars. They sit there with expressions of dollars. They sit there and look like dunces sitting on a seat. They have no concept of what's going on, no idea of what's being said. They've tuned out the word of God long ago. And they're in danger, my friend. They're in danger of hellfire because they will not receive the word of God. But those that do listen, I've asked, what should you give in exchange for your soul? How much money? How much lust? How much the goods of this world? How much the love of the pleasure? How much the love of your flesh you want to exchange for your soul? But my friend, if you lay down your life, if you lose your life, you'll find a life in Christ, the greatest life this world's ever known. And I know folks don't believe that. I've had people after they got saved that I never believed that. I thought you preachers would make that up. I thought it was just something you said to try to get people to, you know, to make a profession of faith. And one after another, I hear people that get born of God say they see it clearer than they've ever seen it. This is a great life. This is a wonderful life because our life is hid with God. My life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my life. He is my stead. He is my stay. I counted the cost and I found myself wanting and I desired him and it was his will to save me. It was my will to be saved. When my will crossed his will, my friend, his will came first and foremost and had the precedence over everything else and he was willing that I be saved and he changed changed me and received me and took me unto himself and made me a new creature in Jesus Christ. That's what I gave in exchange for my soul. I traded that old drunken life, that old fool's life, that old party life, and I gave in exchange for this man, Jesus Christ. I've never regretted a moment, never regretted a second what the Lord has done for me. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. That's why we consider these things. There's going to be a great reward according to the works, according to what we've done, according to the labor that God has put us. Those works that we do, those things that we go out and do the work that God has called us to, not for salvation, but because of salvation. And there's going to be a great reward for those works. And Jesus Christ tells them, that's why you lose your own life. That's why you're willing to lay down your life. That's why you're willing to give of yourself because of that reward. And then he said, verse 28, to close out the chapter, Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. That's the promise he gave to his disciples, that they would not taste death to see the coming of his kingdom. Jesus Christ then leaves this place, and just within a few weeks, most likely, some say even days, but there he goes to the cross, he goes off as himself, his soul is made an offering for sin, he dies the death of a sinner on the cross, and he does that you and I might have life in his name. And I just want to thank him, and I want to praise him. I hope Matthew 16 has been a help to you. Lord, we'll be back on here tomorrow for the last weekday of the podcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 
1-800-227-1706. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.